Hi there. Welcome to our podcast, Cozy Conversations with the Sister Project. My name is Michelle. And my name is Lauren, and we are your hosts. Hey, host. Hey, host. <laughs> this is our version of a radio talk show, and every week you can join us for a sisterly chat where we talk about literally everything. We're going to tackle current events, what's going on in the world around us. We'll share some personal insight and stories, and of course, share random bits of things we think you should know along with whatever else sisters talk about. There's a lot. So mm-hmm. if you're into easy listening, lots of laughing and some inspiration sprinkled throughout, we are going to be fast, weird internet friends. Welcome. Welcome to Cozy Conversations with the Sister Project. I am Lauren, your host, and I'm being joined here by my sister and co-host, Michelle. Hey there, sister. Hey there, Pussycat. What's new, Pussycat? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. What's that from? That's it's from Father of the Bride. Pussycat, Pussycat, I, I love you. you. Yes, I do. Something Jones sang that song. Oh, yes. Ed Jones? No. Tom, Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Well done. And have you, he has been nipped and tucked. And I so was Barry Manilow. Have you seen Very Barry Manilow lately? T- unrecognizable. You know t- actually, he will always be recognizable. <laughs> God bless. You know what? Do what you want to do. Tighten those faces. Keep singing those tunes. If that makes you feel good, do it. Do it. Whatever. But I'm going to say that I noticed the tightness. <laughs> they look tight. <laughs> Yeah, like what I say in yoga on the mat, you do you. You just do you. (laughs) Well, they are, honey. They are. You guys, we had a really fun conversation today. I really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, we talked about a couple women. We spoke and chatted about Vivian Meyer, the photographer who wasn't known to be a photographer until after her death. So if you don't know about her, tune in, listen in. This is so fascinating, this story. We also covered a story we heard about a bride sending a list of must-dos and don'ts Mm -hmm. and requests and financial commitments she's requesting from her bridesmaids. But there's a twist to this. So tune into that. And then, of course, there is the bride that did donut bouquets instead of flower bouquets cheapest arrangement you could get your hands on brilliant young. brilliant bride oh, brilliant bride smart lady all right so tune in stick around but before you do that please for the love and the mercy of goddess <laughs> follow us on social media we are literally like giving dry hand jobs around here hand for ten thousand right. ten all we need is like two and a half more thousand followers and then we're done and then we're gonna never talk about this you'll again. never hear us could care less again. we're just looking to swipe get past up. swipe up swipe me up yep okay so at the sister proj please follow us there yell from the mountaintop share with your friends spread and the word not your and legs. your legs yeah. oh care. and now okay cool spread them. either spread one. everything either just, and or but just be sure while you're spreading, spreading the word spread the word about us spread the good word and you can also follow us at cozy convos with tsp that's more our podcast we're really gunning for the ten thousand yeah. on our sister project you know what to do i'm going to throw those links in the bio as well and while you're at it while you're pressing buttons and doing things Please follow us on your podcast streaming app that you're using. Subscribe. Do all those little blips and beeps that you can do to help us as we help you as we provide fun and innovative, cozy content. Yeah, because they seem like little, they seem like such little acts to the folks following and listening, but they are massive for us. I mean, it's the least we, it's the least you can do. Right? Just You press and play helps, and then a couple little taps of your index finger. Game changer for us. Game changer. We are so grateful, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy this cool and cozy convo, and chat soon. 
Mom loved that movie, Jeepers Creepers. Jeepers yeah. Creepers. Where'd you get those eyes? Have you ever seen that movie? What? Who was it? Something Long. Jason Long. It was Jeepers Creepers is the name of the movie. And it's like this terrifying flying monster man that like steals people's bodies and like takes their eyes and uses their eyes and kind of regenerates. Sounds about right. Sounds, Sounds about right. And she would watch it on repeat. I was, that was a problem. I was <laughs> thinking about a movie. It came to me yesterday and I don't... I. There, all I remember is there was a big pond and there was like this old metal water storage, like okay. it was like an old, and it moved. It started to walk in the movie and it was a movie. That's like the only scene I Sounds can remember. terrifying. I need to figure out what it was. For a minute there, I thought you were going with It. Remember in It, they, there was a big pond and there was like a little shack and that's where Pennywise yes. kind of would draw kids in. God, yep. I love old Stephen King movies. It's got some fucked up shit out there. <laughs> Guy's scary as hell. Yeah, I. But he, they're so good. They're like so his movies good. are terrifying. so good. I actually found a an old hard copy at um, a vintage store of Dolores Claiborne. Never seen it. That's a good one. That is a good one. Dolores Claiborne, Misery is good. Dolores Claiborne. I think there's some sexual assault between like father and daughter, and she ends up killing him. And the mother, people like kind of hide, hid the murder, and then it kind of comes out. It's a good one. But Misery it. is great. Will and I finally finished Stand By Me. We had a lot, oh. lot to talk about. Did he ask questions? Well, a lot. He's like, how old are they? are in their playhouse smoking cigarettes <laughs> and playing cards. And they're like literally his and age. And he's like, how old are they? I'm like, they're 12. They're 12 years old. See, I probably would have been like, they're 25. I mean. <laughs> they just look small for their age. <laughs> A lot of questions. I'm like, these kids were, you know, they, I'm like, Will, I'm, we, I'm, I don't joke about, I'm joke about the fact that we raise suburban daffodils around here, but clearly the kids in Stand By Me, whole different generation. I mean, they, what, they leave for a couple nights to go find a dead body? Yes. They pulled leeches out of their underpants. Yes. My kids would have been institutionalized <laughs> had that been their experience. A lot of grit back in the Completely. day. A lot of grit. A lot of grit. The best part of that movie is the storytelling, oh. where he tells the story of the big fat guy that oh. barfs all over Great everyone scene. as revenge. The Barfarama. The Barfarama. Such a good movie. I think I said this in a previous episode. I just started the third season of Handmaid's Tale because the fourth season came out, and I started the fourth season last night, and then I was like, oh my God. Oh, I never saw the third season. I thought I had. That show is so damn good. It's so good. Ugh but also so intense that sometimes I can't, I have to be in the right mindset. It's just so good. It is. It is. Okay. So before Michelle and I hopped on, we were talking about, Michelle says, Lauren, I've, now I've had a problem where I lose my diva cups, my mm. menstrual cups. Which diva I don't is the brand. I don't have a freaking clue. I had a Cora cup and a diva cup. Poof, they're gone. Did At you one have point, a gyne check to make sure Yeah, and she's like, it cannot go past a certain point. This is true. Yeah. So Michelle was like, Lauren, I found an extra diva cup if like you whenever you it. get... That's hey, that's what sisters do. I think that might be one step. To, like when I had to borrow your mask to go pick up punchki, I, I almost vomited. I would put something to my vagina before I borrow someone's mask ever again. Borrowing someone's mask, and I'm so grateful we don't really have to be wearing those anymore. That Hate was them. disgusting. That was so. Why was it so gross? And I'm your sister. I know, it was, but it was like your plaque and breath was I, on my face. I had to borrow my best friend's mask. Sick, mask no. And I, love her and she's like the cleanest she's cleaner than me certainly she probably should have burned it after i took it off but i was like f getting physically oh, nauseous yeah. like my tongue was rolling hey, what about underwear i'm down i could borrow someone's underwear 
I Ew. thought I'd wear underwear. Okay. I've got a problem. What? Hook and Garden, our friend Jen Newbarrow. Yeah. She she brought up how disgusting the panty liners and bathing suits are. I literally put on plastic rubber gloves to remove those things. The stickers. Okay, but hang on a second. Oh. People should be trying on bathing with ba- suits with, with their underwear But on. not everyone does the same thing. Just like in our last conversation about what you should and shouldn't say to people. Yeah. Some people wear their panties when they put... And that's another thing. No, You know, I was watching a detective show not that long ago, and they were talking to a young girl. Magnum P.I.? No, I was not watching Magnum P.I. They were talking to a young girl, and they referred to her underwear as her panties. I was like... What are your thoughts there? It's underwear. If you are 18 years or younger, I mean, honestly, if you're talking to any sexual assault victim, let's use the word underwear. Or bloomers. Or or undergarments. Panties no. has such a sexualized undertone to it. It makes me want to throw up. And panties are, in my mind, actually barely there. They're not underwear. Panties. They're take your panties. Under- yeah, no. <laughs> so thank you, but no thank you. I won't be using your diva cup. Okay, well, just letting you know I have it. But you know what? You're not going to need it anyway. Fingers crossed. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so the other day I went shopping for Dad's Father's Day present. And... I knew I wanted to get him a book. We tr- I try sometimes to get him books that either I'm reading or that at the same time so we can both enjoy them. So That's I'm nice. listening to the audio, Mr. Uh, Talented Mr. Ripley. So I got him the book. And the book takes place in like 1955. So it's right up his alley. Yep. It's a little bit more of a psychological thriller than maybe he would like, but it takes place in Rome and dapper clothing and jazz. He's all about it. So I think all he'll be into it. it. So while I was there, I also wanted to get him one other book and... I asked the gentleman, so I, my dad is a bookmonger. He yeah. goes to the Sandmeyer bookstore over in uh, Printer's Row. Yep. I have a bookmonger. His it's, name's Wayne. You have your own personal bookmonger. This is the I phone. mean, this he's, is a, he's a bookmonger to many probably, but, but, but like, he's mine. Do you call him and say, hey, Wayne, can you order this we book We are definitely me? on a first name basis now. Okay. And we're not, he, listen, he doesn't like know my voice when I call yet, but we're getting there. Like I walked in and I was like, hey, Wayne. And he's like, hey, Lauren, I got your book. You know, like, so we're getting there. I'm friends with the lady, the gal in the reference section of my local library, Christina and I, we chat all the you time. You got your local library yeah, bookmonger. Yeah, yeah. Remember Walden Books? Oh, you loved that place. That's where I used. That's where I got my witchcraft on. I, I didn't love. I don't I, that bookstore. I love a bookstore, but it bothered me because it was like in a strip mall sort of ish area, and it just didn't feel oh. bookstore enough for me. I understand that was you a different kind of setting, from? but I liked it anyways. Yeah, it was close. You could get there on foot. You on didn't foot, need a ride. and I would just sit and camp out by all of these spell making books. I remember this. So. The other day, I see Wayne, and I'm like, hey, Wayne, I want to get my dad, like, maybe a book on Chicago. What, where's your Chicago section? So he points, and as he points, I see it in big white letters, Vivian Meyer. And I was like, done. Yep. Because dad had gone to the the Museum of Chicago, the, the Chicago History Museum, and there was a Vivian Meyer exhibit, but it was her photographs in color. And if you don't know who we're talking about, we're going to dive in. We're going to tell you all about Miss Vivian. But it's her black and white photos that are, in my opinion, are most striking. Incredible. So I get this coffee book, and it had the cellophane around it. <laughs> of course, yeah, they knock it off. And you open it up? Yeah, of course. Look we took this. It. Heck yes. We fingered through it. <laughs> <laughs> we took the cellophane off. Mind-blowing. Now, Michelle, you watched the documentary Finding Vivian Meyer. I did. It came out in 2013, mm-hmm. nominated for an Oscar. I don't know if it got the Oscar. I forget, but I don't think it did. It should have. So Vivian Meyer was like, I mean, I don't want, I wouldn't call her a recluse at all. She was like a, a loner. 
She was a loner. She was a loner. She was a loner with a camera that was described. They described her as Mary Poppins with a camera. Right. Because she was also a, a nanny. nanny. So here's a little bit about this woman. And you're going to find out why we're so fascinated with this person. So Vivian Meyer, she was born in New York City to French and Austrian parents. Hungarian, Austrian parents, and French parents. So she spent a lot of her time, she was born in New York, but then spent a lot of her time overseas in Europe. In France. In France. Mm -hmm. And it's so crazy because when they go to the census, they found out that one of the people, the head of the household, was a prominent portrait photographer. So it's kind of cool because they think at this time, they think that Vivian first started learning at the age of four. So Vivian most likely learned a bit about photography from this lady of the house. Her father had kind of disappeared at some point. I don't know if he died or left the home, but he was no longer. And so she was raised by her mother and this person. I believe she had a sister as well. Eventually, Vivian moved back to the States, New York. And then eventually, where does she find herself? Chicago. Shy town. That's right. The Windy City. Did you know that the Windy City, isn't it funny? It has nothing to, it's not no really wind. meant for the wind. We're not windy What is it, the politicians? Always blowing, talking, blowing talking, smoke shooting, up our asses. shooting off their mouths, <laughs> back and forth. But we are so windy. <laughs> so Vivian moves to Chicago, where she spent the remainder of her life being a nanny. And for pretty much well-to-do families up on the North Shore. And not just a nanny. I mean, these folks loved her. They loved she her. Was, they took good care of her. The, she took great care of the and, kids, and they... Ended up taking care of her. <laughs> yes, this is true. And they she, they said that she was like a mother to them. You know, mm -hmm. she really embraced the, the role. And now while she was either nannying or on her off time, one would probably find Vivian out on the streets of Chicago. Eventually elsewhere, she, phot she photographed a ton in New York because she did travel a ton. Mm -hmm. She traveled a lot, actually, and that had making a lot of money. She got she far. She figured out how to go in. Yeah, she had far. Yeah. Um, but she did Paris, New York, other countries, but a lot of urban settings here in Chicago. And you're probably like, oh, cool, big deal. Well, this is why it's such a big deal. Because it, the, the course of her photography spanned over like four decades, mm -hmm. four or five decades, well into towards her death. Her entire photograph collection and all the photos that she ever took, no one ever saw. They were all for her. They were all for her. So... She, at one point, did have a um, a dark room, and she had the tools to start developing her own film, but she didn't develop a lot. At the time of her death, she, there were 100,000 negatives. That's insane. She filled, like, what, three storage lockers with yes. boxes of negatives and photos. It sounds like belongings. she was kind of like a hoarderish, it, yeah. right? Like, she said, like, newspaper clippings, like, knickknacks that she found, like, in dumpsters. One of her employers, one of the families that took care of her, put her up in, she had a little room in one of their properties. Yeah, it was like a studio. Uh, maybe I think it was above the gentleman's office or something. And he described that, you know, the ceiling was buckling above him. And it was because of, the, it was from the weight of all of Her the accumulated things, things stacks of newspapers. Yeah. Yeah, she a was a little bit of, bit of, of a, she bit was, of a hoarder. She was a, a, incredibly talented, but she was a bit of an odd bird. She was, it's almost like, yeah, but they say that she was like fiercely opinionated that they described her as a feminist. Mm -hmm. So, and she also had kind of like a uniform. Mm -hmm. She always wore kind of a long button-down dress, a floppy hat. She often sported a shorter haircut. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm I'm going to say this right here, right now. I think that she was kind of like the she was the original selfie taker. Mm-hmm. Now you have to understand her camera that she used. It was like a shoebox that she that it was around her neck. Everywhere she went, she had this thing around her neck, and I forget the name of the camera, but it was held at the middle of her torso, or her abdomen. So she had to look down into yeah. the viewfinder, which of course had the um, lens going forward. Now, her photographs, we're going to put a bunch of links in our show notes. You guys have to dive in. Her photographs are, I mean, I feel like you see the soul mm-hmm. of the subjects within her photo. Um, they described her when they were going through all of her rolls of film. You know, oftentimes photographers, they take the same photo, but many, many different snaps of the same thing. But she didn't do that. She was like the, a master at capturing the photo that. that you like pictures that you just described in one shot. Right. And what's so interesting is that they are looking at her like at eye level, but the lens is looking kind of up at the subject. So she was re- never looking at them with her eyes. No, she was always looking down. Yes. So there was really this this strange connection, but huge disconnect between photographer and subject. Because it was almost like a disguise for her. She was able to creep in closely on these yes. subjects close. without really close. Yes. Without them really it was like the thing that separated her from the subject and so she was able to capture these incredible shots of let's people. talk about how they found these 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 images let's. so in 2007 so now she was born in the early 1900s and she was predominantly photographing and nannying in the 50s the 60s 70s and then she kind of became financially unstable so michelle spoke about that one family mm-hmm. and they are the ones that helped her kind of lived out the rest of her life and have some financial stability. Mm -hmm. It was a group of brothers, actually. Lovely. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful. So that's a testament to who she was as a person and to those kids. There's something like sad and beautiful about her, her existence. Mm -hmm. Um, So what happened was in 2007, she was not, she had these storage lockers and obviously she, not obviously, at one point she could no longer financially support them. So they went to auction and there are some researchers in town here in Chicago, a man by the name of John Maloof. At the time that he got his hands on the storage locker, mm-hmm. he was like 26 years old. I thought this was like an old timer collecting shit. He was like a young man. He was actually doing research for Portage Park. Was he the gentleman that bought everything for 250 bucks? Yes. Yeah. So John Maloof, he goes to this auction house and he sees these storage lockers probably knowing that you can always find a treasure in another man's junk and he purchases this locker at the same time two other men purchased two other lockers that were in the same auction right and what he discovered were thousands of undeveloped film yep she took a roll of film a day a day yeah John Maloof has what in his possession is magnificent photography that no one had ever seen nobody nobody Mm -hmm. knew what she was doing it's like she was like this undercover secret photographer well he starts developing these photos and he starts realizing holy crap what he has found yeah and so he contacts the other dudes that bought the other storage lockers and purchases them back so that he can have the complete collection. I'm glad he did that. Yeah, he's living out. He's he's basically giving the world, and her work has been on exhibit all over the world. Now, she never knew that this happened because unfortunately, Miss Vivian passed away in 2009 of a head injury. She freaking slipped at the age of like 83 on some ice patch here in Chicago, hmm. of course. 
we know how slippery it can mm-hmm, get, mm-hmm. hit her head. She was expected to make a full recovery, but of course, you know, she was older, so she was shipped off to a freaking nursing home <sighs> and sadly passed away. But her, she lives forever and In ever. These photos. And this is where my hormone medication kicks in. I get a little emotional because she never knew how how impactful her photography was on so many people but you know what the, a lot of the conversation i had heard in a different documentary they were talking about how this passion that she had for taking photographs it was it was entirely self-motivated she was it was yep. all for her she wasn't um held down or constricted to the requirements of what other people wanted her to create she was just free to to do and take pictures of whatever she wanted. And she really, really loved, she took incredible portraits, like you were saying, of people you could see every emotion oh, in these their images. their wrinkles, their eyes, yes, their, their pupils, yes. everything, their skin. It was so in their face. But she also really, really loved to photograph the relationships between parents and their kids. Mm-hmm. And she had fun with it too. You could tell in her pictures sometimes maybe there was a little judgment behind a snap or you know, yeah. you could tell that she was she, she also it. she also took many photos of like they in this book they referred to them as like vagrants. I mean, we know yeah. them now as maybe more homeless individuals. Yes. In the photo book that I bought my father for Father's Day, you'll see at the beginning of her book it's a lot of images of some architectural stuff. A lot of times she would take photos of people gathering for big events when people would gather back in the day, like when they had to go see one TV, yeah. when the Apollo crew came back. So some of the images of a ton of those people sitting out, like who knows where in Chicago, those people are just watching you know, the spaceship History come back. Made, yeah. And she was, instead of watching that imagery, she was getting it for the expressions of yep. the people. And as I mentioned, she would also photograph. And in the book, her book went from this kind of imagery to then like kind of sad and depressing and desolate. Mm. You know, individuals who, you know, like drunken homeless people who Mm. had passed out or, you know, a horse, a Chicago, uh, like maybe police horse on the side of the street on its side, maybe Mm. exhausted from heat. Mm -hmm. So like you said, she went from like kind of cheeky ones with parents, but to really real life stuff. Oh yeah. And a part of me thinks that she felt a connection with the people that were, that were more desolate and alone because there was something kind of recluse about her. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I feel like she she connected with them. And that is, her her imagery is so emotional. I encourage you to go through every single photo and check out her, her, her selfies or self-portraits as they were probably known as back then. A lot of them are shadow figures of herself. Mm-hmm. So she'll be on the beach and you'll see her kind of giant figure with her big hat. Blue, her big floppy hat. Or if you're in a pharmacy and you see those big ass round mirrors when you see, you know, so you can see people coming and going, you'll see her way out in the distance with her camera pointing up and like maybe kind of her kind of slyly looking into the yes. mirror. Yes, and they have, there was sort of this like odd, I'm watching you, but yes. you can't see me yes. and it's, I'm taking a picture of me. I don't know. so fascinating. So fascinating. So if you're here in Chicago over at, I think it's North and Ashland, I will find out and I'll put the link in the show notes. There is an incredible mural of her and it is of her taking a self-portrait. Mm-hmm. 
and it's super it's super colorful she might be in black and white and then the geometric shapes around her are in different colors go take a photo of it it's it's so neat to see and i i looked for quotes from her and i Anything? only found one there was only She's such one. a mystery i know it's so but but that's so what cr- she but she wanted, she wanted to be that. a mystery it's almost like she left a gift for the world absolutely so this is the um and it's and her this kind of goes perfectly with what we're saying this is what we have on record of something she once said well i suppose nothing is meant to last forever we have to make room for other people. It's a wheel. You get on, you have to go to the end, and then somebody else has the same opportunity to go to the end, and so on. Wow. Vivian Meyer. That just made the hair stand up on every part of my body. Cool stuff. Wow. Go watch Finding Vivian Meyer. I think it's on Netflix at this point. Um, so good. I, I think what I loved so much about her was her courage to get into people's faces. Dad was Dad and I were talking as we, we went through the entire book and he's like, Can you imagine getting into a homeless person's face right now with a camera? I that know. right now that would feel like exploiting Paparazzi, them. Paparazzi, like right. Yeah. Like you know, like or maybe mocking them when I know there's people out there that probably do that kind of work to show, you know, the human aspect of living in this urban setting. I mean, you drive down some of these streets and you have got people set up in tents and homes. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine mm-hmm. what she would be taking photos of now no she had that rare gift of being able to connect with people without even saying a word not a word and their images last forever Forever. wonderful check their stuff out absolutely switching gears going from vivian meyer to brides to be i fell upon this article you know lots of times if i'm kind of just scrolling through i get lots of from buzzfeed in the cut this one comes by buzzfeed and what happened is this woman on TikTok has gone viral because of the letter that she sent her bridesmaids asking her friends to be bridesmaids. Yeah. This woman's name is Lisa Torres, and she is an auditor from San Antonio, Texas, and recently got engaged. This 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 TikTok of hers went mega viral and because of what she sent in the letter. What she did was send a will you be my bridesmaid letter and or a bridesmaid box with gifts and things in it and as well as a letter and the letter specifies a lot a lot it specifies everything it's specified i mean she must be a very type a kind of holy person. cow type I mean, a you know, all the way yeah you type a all the type way a all the way <laughs> holy crap i mean type a does that translate to bride bridezilla i in this case i think you and i this is gonna be fun because i think you and i have different feelings about this yes we do So Lisa sent this letter, and in the letter, it was very specific commitments that she expects from her bridesmaids, the financial burdens (laughs) that are expectations that an individual can expect to be making, um, as well as what what events are mandatory and what aren't mandatory. Yeah. But I mean, asking someone to be a bridesmaid and saying that, yeah, my wedding day is mandatory, that kind of goes goes with the program. goes without saying. So she said, and she also said, like, the dress. I'm doing, like, a blush-colored dress, but you could pick whatever dress you want. She also said, like, if you're planning on getting married or you're planning on having a baby or creating a family, you don't put anything on hold for me. So don't worry if that stuff comes in between my dates and your dates Mm -hmm. of life. I personally, I, I mean, I... I 100% I appreciated the fact that she laid it out for people there's the bridesmaids are left with really no question no oh and she gave them the choice by the way and their choice was you also you have the option to say no thank you and we will still be best friends which was super cool I love that's the way it should be though like I think that the big thing here is is you know 
when you are asked to stand up in someone's wedding, you automatically, or maybe you don't automatically know. I feel like it's a yes. Well, it's a yes, but also it's expensive. It's so expensive. It's expensive. Like right out of the gate, no matter what it is, it is expensive. So yes, she bulleted all of these things, which was super great. It kind of, I'm my personality, I was reading this. I was like, and I'm done reading. I can't read this list of rules or things you can do or the stuff you're mildly required to be at and such. I loved it. Because I'll tell you what, I was 25, 26 when I was in like 11,000 weddings and it is so expensive. Yeah, I was broke. Broke. I was. I was totally broke. I mean, let's talk about it. You've got to plan a shower, maybe. Yep. A bachelorette party. Yep. You got to get a gift for every single thing. You got to buy a dress. You got to buy shoes. You got to get your hair done. Get your makeup done. You might have to fly somewhere for it. Maybe there should be some tradition surrounding Mm -hmm. bridesmaids that needs to be changed nowadays. Like, for example, maybe maybe you take the pressure. Maybe the bride. You're a bride made in a in a wedding. Maybe you don't have to. You aren't required to buy a gift for all of those things. Yeah, or maybe some sort of like group gift is a great idea yeah. where you like pitch in twenty bucks, and if there's ten bridesmaids, do the math. It all sort of felt like because we all, you know, you kind of it's that phase in life where when you get married, everybody starts to get married. You know, it all felt a little bit like we were trading money with each other, and I felt like that portion of it was unnecessary. I loved that. See, I like that she laid this out because she's also trying to destigmatize the fact that like money is never like when you're asked to be bridesmaid, you don't no one ever talks about the money. No one, you know what I'm no. saying? I mean, in, in my cases, and nor did they were. I mean, I had my bridesmaid, they had to fly out to Mexico to be in my wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a huge ask. Mm-hmm. I love that she also put in her like she did an FAQ, <laughs> which I think is fun. She's like, one of the questions was, will I have to change my appearance or anything? I was asked to take out my nose ring for a, a a, a wedding that wow. I was part of a nose ring I mean come on that's wow. my this is who I am yeah. this is I'm gonna die with this thing yeah. in my nose it's a little much for me right but like or she asked um the other one was will I be sitting at the head table no you're gonna sit at the table with your date you get a plus one I'm also paying for your hair and makeup that's nice I actually I thought this was such a classy informative way to also ease the stress dude we are coming out of a COVID of a pandemic mm-hmm. and this may have been what triggered her to do this saying mm-hmm. like I'm getting married I want to celebrate I want you part of it oh also another frequently asked question was I can't afford or I don't I'm going to politely decline to be a bridesmaid is there anything else I can do yeah we might need ushers or to help people with their seating arrangements I will try to find a way for you to be a part of it okay now that I'm talking you about this and we're kind of talking through this (laughs) I'm now I'm starting to see the sense in what she's doing but all those words and all of the information (laughs) I just felt overwhelmed and like if I were a bridesmaid I would have just jumped ship but you're right she is coming from a good place and it is helpful and I like the fact that there is no question. That's the thing. I think that she's coming, she's definitely coming from a good place. She's not, this isn't like you better be my bridesmaid and this is what I expect of you. Yeah. She actually said, will you be my bridesmaid? This is what I expect from you, but you can totally say no. Yeah, it actually was more the most mature and responsible way to approach <laughs> the whole situation. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the one thing I totally just disagree with. She does have mandatory engagements that they must be in the wedding the rehearsal dinner duh and then the bachelorette party that most likely is taking place in mexico no i i had a problem with that and i think that maybe yeah that was the that, that was, was a mandatory one that was a I was little surprised. much i thought that was a little much 
Yeah, the bachelor party trip. But um, I, I guess, you know what? I understand where she's coming from in that. I just want to have freaking fun with my girls. But come on. That's that's the one where maybe that, that should probably be an encouraged but not mandatory. Exactly. Right? I agree. But I don't uh, like people telling me where I have to go. Listen, I'm going to your wedding. I'll be there. Don't be telling me that I've got to show up for these other things when you just told me it's going to cost a thousand bucks just to walk down the aisle <laughs> with you. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that, you know, like, and being at that age, you don't, I mean, some of us are making a lot of money. Some of us aren't. Yeah. A lot of us aren't back you in know, the day. I, I don't think I had any, and the, the my friend that asked me to have my nose piercing removed, it wasn't a bridezilla moment. It was just what she wanted and I did it. But um, I don't think I stood up for any bridezillas. I don't think, I don't really, I don't have I any, don't think so either. No. I didn't. All right, well, I think all in all, she was just trying to be a cool bride, man. She was just full of information, I could, and it was more helpful. I could totally see, though, if someone was like, okay, bridezilla. I mean... But I don't I don't see it that way. There Perspective be, is everything. You're right. Right, you're I guess. Right. And if you're a broke bridesmaid and you read that, that's either going to push you over the edge or it's going to have you thinking, thank you so much right? for sharing. That's, that's what I loved about yeah. it. So there was another interesting article that came out of Australia featuring a bride and I worship this bride this bride instead of flowers did donut bouquets <laughs> they taste good and the price is right. right right can you imagine being hung over from the rehearsal and dinner and you're like shit out of your I'm bouquet so fucking hungry and then you just looked at <laughs> I'm gonna eat the shit out of my bouquet I was so hung over for Andrea's wedding and I remember, because the night before, her, her rehearsal dinner was on Navy Pier at the at Riva's, I believe, at yeah. the seafood restaurant. And I had a little too much to drink. And the next day, to overcompensate oh, no. for how drunk I was the what night before, because I was so hanging, I really overposed in all of her photos. A lot oh. of shoulders back, a lot of bent elbows, a lot of head backs. That was the overcompensating for the hangover? That was just trying to stay alive. Because it was either like I was going to suck my thumb and lay on the ground or give it 150% Lauren. So I gave it 250%. Well, well, you were giving it 250% at that wedding. I was around digging around looking for a chin strap for the helmet haircut <laughs> that I had. Michelle, she had the pumpkin pie haircutted freak haircut. Still growing out. Still growing out there. So this is a haircut that it's like bangs and then it shapes around your head and then it's like a bowl shape. Like what you had when all of us had when we were like four. Yes, when we were four. <laughs> I mean, it also did have a little bit of a page It actually looked boy. really cute on you at that point. It was problematic when you were pregnant. It was okay. I just couldn't wait for the bangs to be a separate length than the sides, <laughs> than the part at the bottom. So you overposed. I needed a chin strap. Oh my God. All right, you guys. Well, that's that. Here we go. Check out that documentary in Vivian. Look her up. I'll put it all in the show notes for you to peruse and enjoy. Yay to non-bridezillas. Or maybe you might think she's a bridezilla. Write mm -hmm. us in. Do you think, let us know. I want to hear from you. Michelle and I want to know. Do you think that this woman, this bride-to-be writing in this letter is super bridezilla or super responsible and kind and compassionate? Yeah, let us know. Let us know. And while you do that, above all things, stay cozy, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's cozy conversation. For more of The Sister Project, check us out on Instagram at The Sister Project and our website, www.thesisterprojectblog.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and maybe even drop us a review. Until next time, stay cozy. Stay cozy.